Okay. All right, well, let's pick up this time. We're going to jump way ahead this time. We've been, you know, like I say, beginning to end, Genesis, Revelation. This is just, I mean, our Bible was put together. You know, uh, it was put, the, the, the literature was already there. But it was put together uh, where we could read it in English around the 15th century. You know, 1500, whatever, Tyndall. You can look at the front of your Bible and you can see if you have a King James when that version was written. But anyway, we're going to jump. And remember, time frame, uh, time frame here. Genesis all the way to, because uh, we're going to go directly into Jesus this morning. This is not that long. You know, if you look at the biblical timeline we've got there in the back on that wall, we're only looking at a span of 6,000 years right now. 6,000 years. You know, even if you do your own reasoning in your head, don't, don't be helped by thinking about evolution and whatever, because those are religions too. You have to believe in, you have to believe in, believe in billions of years. You also have to believe in transition there's no such thing as transitional fossils. They're not. The fossils, the atheists, the agnostics, whoever you want to call them, the evolutionists, we're looking at the same data. You know, Fossils, they'll go, oh, it proves evolution. <laughs> Don't. Same bacteria. According to their time, we'll use their time frame, 5 billion year old bacteria. It's the same ones we got today. Same ones. Oak leaves are still the same. Anyway, they still want to believe it's, that it takes that long. And... and, and and that's what some folks say, well, that's, that's their Holy Spirit, because they're thinking, well, surely they're going to somewhere back in there. No. Jesus references this as the time frame right here. In the beginning. Wow. So I want us to jump all the way to, uh, to the book of Mark here. And we're going to start it. This is Mark's, what you call Mark's gospel here. And look what it says here. Here's the wonderful, here, the, here begins the wonderful story of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. In the books written by the prophet Isaiah, and you can go look at that book, and at the very front of it, it'll say, during the days of King Uzziah and Hezekiah, and it gives you the time frame. It'll help you actually read Hezekiah. I mean, uh, Isaiah, if you go back and read First and Second Kings, you'll go, Israel is just treating the Lord like just terribly, throwing their kids to the fire. It helps you when you read that instead of going, well, I, I guess this is me. Uh, and you're in the Bible Belt and you're on, you love your parents and everything. That's not you. It's not you. Okay? You need to know. It just makes sense. But see, we're in a world of where some people try to say the Bible is poetic. It's po no, it's not. Mm -mm. It's history. Look at that. Here begins the wonderful story. It didn't say mythological. It's, let's keep cruising. Watch this. In the book written by the prophet Isaiah, God announced to the world that he would send his son to the earth and that a special messenger would arrive to prepare the world for his coming. Yeah. No, let's keep reading before I interrupt here. The me this messenger will live out in the barren wilderness. Can you guess? It's John the Baptist. In it. Yeah. Isaiah said and will proclaim that everyone must straighten out his life and be ready. Well, that makes sense. That's all John was doing. Hey, guys, y'all ain't living right. Somebody's going to be here in a minute and you, you're not even going to know he's here. Be ready for the Lord's arrival. Okay, remember the King James says the crooked places, that's what that means. Okay, the, the, this messenger was John the Baptist. He lived in the wilderness and taught that all should be baptized as a public announcement of their decision to turn their backs on sin and so that God could for, forgive them, which was kind of cool. Notice this, you don't earn it. You just say, hey, Lord, man, look, I, I, I got to change. People from Jerusalem and all over Judea. Now catch this. This this really, it shook up the high priest, the Pharisees, Sadducees, and whatever the group was, uh, whatever. The, all those religious, the, oh, the Jewish leaders. Because they didn't, they didn't do it. The, the Jews did, but the Jewish leaders were mad. 
It's almost like the Methodists are not going to go to that meeting downtown. I don't care if I don't care if the guy raises somebody from the dead. We're not going. <laughs> you know, fantastic meeting in Huntsville, big revival, and the Methodists sit over here. We're not going to do it. Or say the Baptists or the Presbyterians. We're not going. We're not going to go. I don't care. People from all over Judah and Jer- from Jerusalem and Judah traveled out into the Judean wastelands. He didn't even go to the civic center to see and hear John. And he didn't do any miracles either. And they confessed their sins and he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from camel's hair and he wore a leather belt. Do you see all this history, 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 history? This guy was not something fancy to look at, okay? Uh, Locust and wild honey were his food. Here's a sample of his preaching. Ooh, we got a little of it. Look at this. Someone's coming who is far greater than I am. Well, that's what Isaiah said. He's here to prepare the way. So much greater, I'm not even worthy to be called his slave. I baptize you with water, but he'll baptize you in the whole, with, the, with God's Holy Spirit. Then one day, whoa, Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized there by John in the Jordan River. Now, if we had read Luke, you would have found out that John and Jesus were first cousins. The, and they were only six months apart in birth, too. Six or eight, something like that. Uh, the moment Jesus came up out of the water, he baptized him. He saw the heavens open. Now, he didn't talk about Jesus. This is John. Okay. John saw the heaven open, and look what he saw. The Holy Spirit, in the form of a dove, descended on him. And a voice from heaven, whoo, you are my beloved son, you are my delight. Wow. Now, Matthew and Luke uh, and John even reference that little deal there. So, well, I think two of them do. Anyway, well, actually all of them say that the, John even... In the book of John, John says that the Lord said, whoever you see the Holy Spirit falling on, he's the Messiah. Okay. Immediately, the Holy Spirit urged Jesus into the desert. You know what's coming here. Okay. There for 40 days alone, except for desert animals, he was subject to Satan's temptations to sin. And afterward, the angels came and cared for him. Now, this is interesting. It didn't say he had to beat off the desert animals. Don't you remember he he rode that colt? There's so much amazing things about Jesus. The world knew, the birds knew who this guy was. Anyway, the angels came and cared for him. Later on, after John was arrested by King Herod, look at the time phrase, the details. Jesus went into Galilee to preach God's good news. Wonder what the good news is. Here he's going to tell you. Look what the good news is. At last the time has come, he announced. God's kingdom is near. Turn from your sins and act on this glorious news. One day, Jesus was... uh, As Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew fishing with their nets, for they were commercial fishermen. Uh, Yeah, it's interesting, this Sea of Galilee, it's about three times as big as Gunnersville Lake. It's pretty good size. But you can see across it, you can go, oh, I can get across that. That's the reason Jesus was going to walk across it one time. Or he'd say, let's go to the other side. But you couldn't get there unless you went around or took a boat. So all these things are really there. Anyway. Simon and his brother Andrew, okay, they're commercial fishermen. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I'll make you fishermen for the souls of men. At once they left their nets and walked along with him. Now remember, people are starting to follow Jesus here, okay? And another story about this incident, uh, Jesus filled up, remember, he filled up their boat there. So there's little details right here. A little farther up the beach, he saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat mending their nets. He called them too, and immediately they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and went with him. Jesus and his companions now arrived at the town of Capernaum. What are they doing? Here we go. We're finding out. 
and on Saturday morning went into the Jewish place of worship. Remember, the Jews worshiped on Saturday. That's, you know, okay. That was the Sabbath, okay. The synagogue where he preached. The congregation was surprised at his sermon. Look at the phrase. Because he spoke, I'm a... no, he didn't mean it. it's not what it's saying. They had other ways to tell. He spoke as an authority and didn't try to approve his points by quoting others. Quite unlike what they were used to hearing. Uh-oh. A man possessed by a demon was present and began shouting, Why are you bothering us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us demons? Look what they said. I know who you are, the Holy Son of God. Jesus curtly or quickly commanded the demon to say no more and to come out of him. Oh my goodness. And that evil spirit screamed, convulsed the man violently and left him. Amazement gripped the audience and they began discussing what had happened. What sort of new religion is this, they asked. Why even evil spirits obey his orders? The news of what he had done spread quickly throughout that entire area of Galilee. Then leaving the synagogue, he said to his disciples, no, he and his disciples went over to Simon and Andrew's home. Now watch this. Say, Richard, what's up? Well, I know you've heard these things, but you keep cruising. Look, look at what's happening. No, notice the then. Then, this is what happened. They left church and leaving the synagogue. They went over to, you know, they have a real home. Like you and I have a real home. Do you notice that's a person's name there? Well, just some guy. No, he gave a name. You and I have names. They went over to Simon and Andrew's home where they found Simon's mother-in-law sick in bed with a fever. Well, let's stay away from her. No, wait a minute. It ain't doing anybody a favor for her to be sick. They told Jesus about her right away. He went to her bedside, and as he took her by the hand, he helped her to sit up, and the fever suddenly left her, and she got up and prepared a meal. I don't know about this. Richard, this is already... No, wait a minute. How are you ever going to believe God created the world if you can't accept these things and believe that Jesus rose from the dead? This whole thing is miraculous. By sunset, the courtyard was filled with the sick. Whoa, 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 whoa. They're, they're getting the wrong idea. No, we're getting the wrong idea that he won't help. He will help. Remember, they asked Jesus to help them, and he, remember, he says they told Jesus about it right away. Well, then he went right away. Oh, I was watching Cary Grant last night. It's really good. The bishop's wife. Man, that is so good. He's an angel, just like uh, Wonderful Life. You know, Clarence the angel. Well, Cary Grant's the angel. And man, he did some stuff really blessed me. He was talking to a little child. He said, uh, because the daddy is almost like too busy with his money. And well, he's actually the bishop. He's worried about the doggone cathedral not taking time with his daughter. And so Cary Grant sits in the floor. And he's talking to this little girl. She goes, tell me a story. His name's, I'm going to say Rocky or or, or, starts with R or whatever. And he goes, okay. And he says, there was a young fellow by the name of David. He wasn't much bigger than you, you know. And he said, and, uh, one day, uh, an angel showed up. She goes, an angel? Yeah, an angel showed up. And uh, the angel said, David, you lost one of your sheep. It's way back over the hill over there. So David went on. He's just a little kid. Went after this, this, went after this uh, lamb. He found the lamb, but it was in the mouth of a lion. What do you think about that? And the little girl's going, oh, wow. You know? Well, the bishop, the dad's around the corner. He's listening because he should be telling these stories, but he doesn't take time to do it. And, and well, then what did David do? Well, uh, the angel told David to get a rock, put it in that sling, and... 
throw it at that lion right there. And you know what? He hit him right between the eyes. And the little girl goes, well, I bet that lion didn't think that was coming. You know? And then Carrie hops up and he goes, your daddy can finish the rest of the story if he wants to. He knows it. <laughs> you know? But I just thought, wow. And then he said, after that, David wrote a song. And I knew he was going to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I mean, good grief. So if you've never seen Cary Grant, the bishop's wife, you got to watch that. It's good stuff. You know. Not everybody's right on track, but some stuff is, you know, and it's just great to see. Okay, so by sunset, the courtyard was filled with the sick and the demon-possessed, and they brought, brought him for healing. You mean they're going to try? No. And a huge crowd of people from all over the city of Capernaum gathered outside the door to watch. So Jesus healed great numbers of sick folk that evening and ordered many demons out to come out of the victims, but he refused to let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Notice he didn't say he refused to heal them. No, he got them. Wow. The next morning, he was up long before daybreak and went out alone to the wilderness to pray. Now, I know some people try to say, well, that's the magic. You've got it. No. Mm -mm. That's not the secret. The secret is what you believe. Anyway, later, Simon and the others went out to find him and told him, everybody's asking for you. But he replied, we must go to other towns as well and give my message to them. That's why I came. So he traveled through the province of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues, releasing many from the power of demons. Okay. What happened next? Wow. You know, there's only 16 chapters in this book here. Once a leper came. Why do we have this? Well, think about it. Once a leper came in front of him and begged to be healed. If you want to, you can make me well again, he pled. And Jesus moved with pity. Oh, he even touched him. COVID. Oh, my gosh. Whatever. And said, I want to. Be healed. Oh, just let that get into you. I don't care what's going on. Bug bites, mosquitoes, whatever. Problems back or whatever. You need to know this. I want to. Jesus then told him sternly, go and be examined immediately by the Jewish priest. Don't stop to speak to anyone along the way. And that was part of the Mosaic law. Anyway, part of the Old Testament. When you get better, go to the priest and let him examine you. Okay. Take along the, there, he, there he is. Take along the offering prescribed by Moses for a leper who is healed. Well, that ain't supposed to happen. It is. Naaman, good grief, was a Syrian. He wasn't even a Jew. And he was coming to kill the Israelites. He got healed, you know, while he was in war with them, whatever. Back to this. Prescribed by Moses for a leper who is healed so that everyone will have proof that you are well. It might not last, but, uh, oh, please. We're just so full of unbelief. We can't stand it if it works out. We're just so used to defeat. No, keep, look at this. It just keeps going. But as the man, the man went on his way, he began to shout the good news that he was healed. I don't blame him. Man, there's all that skin stuff. Probably got his nose back, his ears back, whatever. As a result, such throngs soon surrounded Jesus that he couldn't publicly enter into a city anywhere, but had to stay out in the barren wasteland. And people from everywhere, why? got better things to do. Are you kidding? Jesus is all you need. People from everywhere came there to him. Boom. Several days later. See how it was? This is still the story. Several days later, he came back to Capernaum and the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the city. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there wasn't room for a single person uh, more, not even outside the door. Let me stop here just a minute. Do you notice we still don't know what he's saying? He's just saying good news. You know what the good news is? Look at it. People are getting healed. John the Baptist even said this later. John the Baptist goes in jail. He's getting a little discouraged. Remember the story? He sent some of his disciples. Go ask Jesus, are you really the Messiah or not? 
and they say, hey, are you really the Messiah or not? And Jesus says, you go tell John, the blind see, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And he says, just trust me. Is that the message? Yeah, truth, trust me, that's the message you need. If you're hurting anywhere, it, it hinders you. We got all kinds of psychological reasons to say, well, I become a better reason or a better Christian because I got bursitis, you know. <laughs> well, you go tell that all you want to. That's real inspiration to the world. You know, I can't see no more, but you know, it's okay. It's my cross to bear. <laughs> you don't even own a cross. You're, you have nothing to do with redemption. It's just things we make up. All right, back to this. Chapter 2. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors, there wasn't even room for one more person, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And again, we don't know what he said. Well, if you got a Bible and you think about the Lord's Prayer, or, I mean, the, well, the Lord's Prayer, but the, the Lord is my shepherd and all the things that God promised. I mean, that's what it was. Oh, here we go. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a stretcher. Well, that's how they talk. They need to just go home. And they were probably told that over and over. Anyway, they couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd, so they dug through the clay roof above his head and lowered the sick. Now, I tell you what, you cut in line at McDonald's, somebody's going to get mad. And why wouldn't the Lord get mad here too? Wait your turn. Is that what happened? As though it takes some sort of powerful energy, you know, whatever. You're going to run the batteries down from heaven. Heaven is never going broke. They're not. So what'd they do? Uh, they lowered the sick man on his stretcher right down in front of Jesus. Boy, they got front row seat, didn't they? When Jesus saw how strongly they believed he would help, Jesus said to the sick man, look at, oh my goodness. Son, your sins are forgiven. We need to catch this. As Christians, we beat, I know I do. I have to, I have to, I have to get back on the Bible. Quit thinking Jesus doesn't forgive your sins, Richard. Well, Rich, you would never say, oh, come on. Condemnation comes in all flavors. You will condemn yourself to sleep every night if you don't watch out. You'll go, well, I'm just, I'm just not the best Christian in the world. And, you know, you, we can't stand in his holy presence if it wasn't for the blood of Jesus. We, it would just, it, it, uh, he's just too, if you ever read the descriptions, it's a fire. It's, it's just amazing. Anyway. So anyway, uh, son, your sins are forgiven. Well, I won't know what he did. <laughs> it wouldn't matter. They're forgiven. But some of the Jewish leaders said to themselves that sat there, what? This is blasphemy. Look at this. Does he think he's God? Well, obviously, because he said, yeah, your sins are forgiven. Remember, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. For only God can forgive sins. Jesus could read their minds. Of course he could. And said to them at once, why does this bother you? Look, he said, I, the Messiah, have the authority on earth to forgive sins. But talk is cheap. Oh, my gosh. Jesus, don't step in it here, please. Oh, no. Anybody can do that. I'll prove it to you. But he, he didn't wait. He didn't say, well, Lord, you know, you know, may you give your grace. No, he was the Lord. Then turning to the paralyzed man, he commanded, pick up your stretcher and go home for you are healed. Oh, no. Did it happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The man jumped up, took the stretcher, pushed away through the stunned onlookers. Oh, how they praised God. We have never seen anything like this before, they all exclaimed. Yeah, but Richard, you know, that's just a book. Matthew records this story. Luke also records this story. They didn't have, I'll search for this real quick and let's all be the same. 
These were handwritten books. They didn't have any printing presses or nothing. And they were also written at various times. It wasn't like, hey, every Friday we're going to write this. No. Anyway, then Jesus uh, went out uh, onto the, sh- uh, the seashore again and preached to the crowds that gathered around him. As he was walking at the beach, he said he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, uh, sitting at his tax collection booth. Oh, this guy can't be any count. Well, that's true. But what about us? <laughs> I mean, he was a... You described evil people by calling them tax collectors. Jesus said, come with me. Come be my disciple. Oh, no, what's going to happen next? Oh, some of the greatest things. That's why we read our Bibles. Levi jumped to his feet, went along. Uh-oh, that night, Levi, that's his name, invited his fellow tax collectors and many other, oh, mercy, notorious sinners to be his dinner guest so that they could meet Jesus and his disciples. Oh, God, this is going to mess up Jesus. He's going to ruin his, the, the campaign's over with right here. Wait a minute. There were many, uh, there were many men of this type among the crowds that followed him. What is this? You're attracting flies, Jesus. Thank God. But when some of the Jewish religious leaders, holier than thou, saw him eating with these men of ill repute, they said to his disciples, How could he stand to eat with such scum? Can you imagine that? Finding out that you're called scum? When Jesus heard what they were saying, he told them, sick people need the doctor. Now, right there is a clue. You need to get out of your thinking. If you're, if you're, sometimes if you're ever feeling sick, quit playing the game. Might be the Lord's will. Get to a doctor. At least call on Jesus right then. Get some help. But anyway, back to this. Sick people need the doctor, not healthy ones. I haven't come to tell uh, good people to repent, but the bad ones. And I got another, I, 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 we'll, we'll spin out to this same story. We're in Mark 2. Let's catch this same story in Matthew. Jesus told him to get out of here. No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. He said, get out. He didn't, he, it ticked him off. I think it's, uh, let me land here a second and see where I'm at. Matthew chapter 7. Oh, I knew better than that. Okay, chapter 8. Okay, here we go. There's the leper. See the story? Same thing. Okay, uh, write it out. There's the, uh, there's his mother-in-law got healed. Okay, let's see. There we go. Look how it tracks. Isn't it amazing? He went to Capernaum. We saw that in chapter 9. Yeah, here it is. Look at this. Later, as Jesus and his disciples were eating at Matthew's house, that's the other name for Levi, there were many notorious swindlers. <laughs> yeah, there is guests. The Pharisees were indignant. That means mad. They were angry. Why does your teacher associate with men like that? Uh, see, see it coming? Because people who are well don't need a doctor. It's sick people who do, was Jesus. Christ. Then he added, now go away. He, get out of here. Go away. And look what he said to do. Now go away and learn the meaning of this verse. It isn't your sacrifices and your gifts I want. I want you to be merciful. I have come to urge sinners, not the self-righteous, back to God. Wow. Jesus told me, hey, y'all ain't welcome here. Get out of here. All right, chapter 2. Chapter 2, and where were we? Somewhere right in here. Okay, let's see. Uh, How can he stand to eat with such scum? Okay, Uh, let's see. All right, here we go. Verse 18, John's disciples and the Jewish leaders sometimes fasted. Now, uh, these guys were on Jesus' case, but now we've added John. Well, John's good guys. Yeah, but sometimes you can... (laughs) 
You think it's all about what you're doing. Here we go. They fasted. That is, went without food as a part of their religion. One day some of the people came to Jesus and asked why his disciples didn't do this. Hey, we find a little fault here. You're not coming to our Wednesday night services. <laughs> Jesus replied, do, do friends of the bridegroom refuse to eat at the wedding feast? Should they be sad while he's with them? But someday he will be taken away from them and then they will mourn. Besides, going without food is part of the old way of doing things. Really? Yeah. It's like putting a patch, an old garment, with unshrunk cloth. What happens? The patch pulls away and leaves the hole worse before. You know better than to put new wine in old wineskins. They'll burst. The wine would be spilled out and wineskins ruined. New wine, sh uh, new wine needs fresh wineskins. And let me add to it, you shouldn't be drinking no wine at all. And if you are, you're not going to heaven. <laughs> That's not what he said at all. Wow. So they're on his case because he didn't fast. Another time on a Sabbath day, as Jesus and his disciples were walking through the grain field, the disciples were breaking off the heads of wheat and eating it. So what? But you know, these guys were so picky. They were saying, that's work. You're not supposed to work on a Sabbath. That's what they said. Some of the Jewish leaders said to Jesus, they shouldn't be doing that. It's against our laws to work by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Now look what Jesus says. No, man, he ain't making too many friends here among them. But Jesus replied, didn't you ever read? Now, wait a minute, Jesus. The Old Testament's just people were drunk. No. David was hightailing it trying to get away from Saul. They didn't have any food. He says, didn't you ever hear about the time King David and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God. Abathur was the high priest. Boy, Jesus knew the details. And they ate the special bread. Oh, no which only the priests were allowed to eat. That was against the law too. But the Sabbath was made to benefit man and not to benefit the Sabbath. And I, the Messiah, have authority to decide what men can do on the Sabbath. Who is this Jesus that can decide stuff like that? Look at that. We've already covered two chapters of this historical story about Jesus. While they were in Capernaum, Jesus went over to the synagogue again. Now, have you been counting how many people have been healed right now? Even if you group them together? Whoa! This is a pattern. This guy's got a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies, they watched him closely. Would he heal the man's hand? If he did, they planned to arrest him. Now, wait, and I know they're angry, but look at the positive note about healing here. They knew good and well he was going to heal. They knew Jesus. And so why do we in the Bible Belt feel like we have a scratchy throat? You know, that oh, God's trying to slow me down. And oh, please, find where Jesus is and go get in the crowd. You know, I mean, that, wouldn't that be the logical thing to do? Instead of going, God, just, I don't know, Lord, I'm, I'm probably not, you know, I got a splitting headache. Or, or we'll just say, well, all the streetlights were turned red. I mean, God must be ruining my day. To, uh, what are we doing? That's not, don't live that way. Ask the Lord to make all the red lights turn green for you. Good prayer practice. Instead of just thinking everything goes wrong. Anyway, look at this. Jesus, apparently, he's in... He's just going to, yeah, you know, when he left here, he said for us to do the same thing. He said, the works that I do shall you do also and greater. But what we have done, not, I say we, not really, but we, we have said, it's all over with. There's no more healing ever. Well, I'm thankful that my son and his little friend that I told you that story, 
that little friend knew better. He knew that woman was in bad shape in that car, and he went back in there and had no idea that his little old life would affect that woman. And, and Anyway, apparently her neck was broken, but it wasn't. Okay, anyway, here we go. Oh, since it was the Sabbath, they watched. Okay, they were going to arrest him. Oh, sure. Yeah. Jesus asked the men to come over. Oh, no, don't do this publicly. Oh, no. Suppose it doesn't work. Oh, we're talking Jesus who created the heavens and the earth. All things were made for him and by him. He can take care of your hands too. He said he's standing in front of the whole congregation. Then turning to his enemies, he asked, is it right to do kind deeds on the Sabbath or is this a day for doing harm? Is it a day to save lives? Boy, Jesus is laying it out, isn't it? Or destroy them. Now, you could stop right there and think, well, I wonder when God's going to heal me. If you read that, when is it? You would have to go, he's planning on doing something now. Exactly. Oh, they wouldn't answer him. Looking around them, oh, Jesus needs to go to anger management. (laughs) He's looking around on them angrily for he was deeply disturbed by their indifference to human need. Now, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, Let's put that back on what we think God won't heal me. Now you gotta know God's mad at you being sick. Not that you created it, but that he wants you well. Now think about it when you were having to deal with a little toddler. They came running to you. Oh, did you go, no, you helped them. You hug them, you get the bacteria out, you get a band-aid, you're going to be all right. You're all right. We got, I got you. And we treat God like he's like, God doesn't know that. Boy, no, Jesus was mad at them because they were going to get on to him for healing somebody. Mm. And look at this. He's, he's angry with them at their indifference to him. Boy, and then he turns to this guy and says, hey, reach out your hand. I don't know if I was that guy. I knew, I knew, oh, I'm fixing to get it. I'm fixed. I would be so excited because I want my left hand back to normal again. And boy, when Jesus told me to reach out my hand, <laughs> see that? He said to the man, reach out your hand. He did and instantly his hand was healed. Oh, look at the bad guys, the Pharisees. And they're supposed to be the closest ones to church. Boy, they went out and they met with the Herodians. Oh, now, whoa, whoa, what's that? A political party, almost like stuff we got to deal with today, to discuss plans for killing Jesus. Oh, man. He just did something great. And do you see the political motive? We got to kill him. Meanwhile, Jesus and his disciples withdrew to the beach, followed by a huge crowd, I would say, from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, from beyond the Jordan River, and even as far away as Tyre and Sidon. That was two days away, 50 miles. For the news about his miracles had spread far and wide, and vast numbers came to see him for themselves. Well, now, why were they coming? Because you never know. It might not be God's will. Oh, they, they never dreamed that for a moment. He instructed his disciples to bring around a boat and to have it stand ready to rescue him in case he was crowded off the beach. Oh, good, we're finally going to get to see what, uh, what he preached. No, you're not. This is what he was preaching. Remember, Jesus said, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. You say, but Richard, if he healed, even if he heals me, how's that going to help me learn to live right? Well, really, first off, God's not going to go broke. He's not going to lose his healing power. And you're going to know where that came from. Now, you may in your head go, well, I got lucky, whatever. But when you're quiet and you're laying, laying alone at night, you're going to know God's been merciful to me. And the Bible says it's the goodness of God that, turns, that, that leads you to repentance anyway. 
I mean, really, some preachers, they, they, they wish they could rewrite this. Jesus had tens of thousands of people there, and boy, he cursed all of them. Because <laughs> they, you know, y'all are all going to hell. Let me help you out. Give them a little bubonic plague and stuff like that. Oh, no, no, no. Look at this. So he said, have a boat come around, ready to rescue him in case he was crowded off the beach. For there had been many healings that day. Oh, gosh, this is so repetitive. And as a result, great numbers of sick people were crowding around trying to touch him. And whenever those demon, those possessed by demons caught sight of him, they would fall down before him, shrieking, you're the son of God. But he strictly warned them not to make him known. Afterward, no, wait a minute. He's already left. Yeah, he left. Matter of fact, this same story, there's a bunch of other things that happened right here. But right after that was Peter's boat, we see they used in, I think it's Luke's gospel. And so after Jesus, uh, after Jesus, uh, that just says he preached. We don't even know what he did. He told the disciples, he said, hey, push on out and lower your nets. And Peter goes, well, we fished all night, you know. But he goes, but if you say so. And when he did, all those fish were there. And then Peter, it flipped him out. And he said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. And then Jesus said, no, you're going to catch men from now on. <laughs> wow. Anyway, here we go. Afterward, he went up in the hills and summoned a certain, certain ones to come and he chose, uh, that he chose, inviting them to come and join him there. And they did. Then he selected 12 of them to be his regular companions. Here's the 12 disciples. And to go out and preach and to... Ah, they can't do that. Mm-hmm. These are the names of the 12. They could also heal. It meant the same thing. You know, if you're going to cast out demons, you can definitely heal. He's going to tell you that in the 10th chapter anyway. Okay. Here they are. Why do we have these names? It's hard to keep the drunk pattern going here. It's because they weren't drunk. James, John, sons of Zebedee. He called them sons of thunder. Wonder where that come from. He knew them. Hot-headed, more likely. Matter of fact, they did one time. They got so mad at the, the Samaritans. They were on their way to Jerusalem. They had to go through the Samaritan town. And the Samaritan said, no, thank you. You're not coming through here. And these two guys said, hey, you want us to call down fire from heaven? <laughs> they really thought they could. That, may, I mean, they could heal people. They, they thought, hey, Jesus. And they thought Jesus had a temper enough to do it too. And Jesus said, no. Mm-mm. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, and a couple of Judases. They got a couple of them. They're all the same. Thaddeus, Simon, a member of a, look at this guy. He picked the wrong guy. He might say something stupid. Well, probably, but Jesus warned him there. Hang on, let's, where where we get to? Yeah. Oh, Thaddeus, Simon, a member of a political party advocating the violent overthrow of the Roman government. That's one of my questions. You know, well, if you're going to purchase a gun, they want to know, are you a a part of a party that wants to overthrow the government? You're not going to get your pistol if you're trying to buy one. Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. When he returned to the house where he was staying, now he was homeless. He's a builder. I'm sure he had plenty of places. Anyway, the crowds began to gather, and soon it was full of visitors. What were they there for? Healing. He couldn't even find time to help. When his friends heard what was happening, they tried to take him home with them. Look at that. Now, this was his family. They had a hard time with him. Yep, Mary, his brothers. They said he's out of his mind. But the Jewish teachers and religion who had arrived from Jerusalem, said, oh, his trouble is he's possessed by Satan. Oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's why demons obey him. (laughs) Jesus summoned these men and asked them using Proverbs, saying, how can Satan cast out Satan? 
a kingdom. Here we go. It's on the back of every Alabama, Auburn, Auburn, Alabama people. One kid goes to one school. House divided. That's where it comes from. A kingdom divided against itself will collapse. A home filled with strife and division destroys itself. And if Satan is fighting against Satan, how can he accomplish anything? He would never survive. Satan must be bound before his demons are cast out. Well, Jesus is such a pacifist. He doesn't... Oh, please. Good grief. Jesus is so aggressive. He's coming back with a sword and he's on a horse. He's got a tattoo, too. King of kings, Lord of lords, whatever. Got gold on, too. You can't even hardly look at him. His feet are like bronze. His brass is... Eyes of fire. Satan must be bound before his demons are cast out, just as a strong man must be tied up before his house can be ransacked and his property robbed. I solemnly declare that any sin that look oh my gosh, and I know what's coming, but hold it right here. Any sin. Why do we beat ourselves up? You shouldn't. Romans chapter 8, Paul wrote emphatically, There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, you'd say, Well, first place, well, Jesus is the blood of Jesus. It's permanent though, too. You're not perfect the day you ask Jesus in your life and get forgiveness of your sins. You are going to blow it downrange somewhere. There's no condemnation. Even John wrote that too. He wrote it in, he said in John 3, 16, God so loved the world. Okay, then the the next verse says, he sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but to save it. Ooh, I forgot. He did not say, I came into the world to see if you do what's right. And if you don't, I'm going to condemn you. No, he said he did not come into the world to condemn it, but to save it. Let yourself be saved. Think with me just a little bit. Jesus said, how many times does your brother come to you and, and, and ask you to forgive him? Oh, just seven times. Jesus said, no, no, no. Seventy times seven. Really, basically over and over again. Whatever. Here we go. So, I solemnly declare that any sin can be forgiven, even blasphemy against me. Whoa. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit can never be forgiven. It's the eternal sin. Some people have spent, oh, they go, oh, we never know what this is. Now think, well, think of the argument. What, what, what originally started this? The Pharisees were saying, he's from the devil. Now we already know he's from the Lord, isn't he? So how's this guy, how are these people ever going to get that highlighted in blue? How are they ever going to believe Jesus if they keep believing this stuff? That's why it's unforgiven. They are in a hole. They're going, nope, Jesus is full of the devil. He's full of the devil. Nothing he says is true. Remember, Jesus brought this up right before when, when he said, uh, they said, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Hand me a coin. You remember that, that story? He said, whose inscription faces on this? They said, well, Caesar's. Well, render under Caesar that which belongs to Caesar. And then Jesus said, I want to ask you a question too, because they said, by what authority are you doing this? He says, I'll ask you something. When John the Baptist was baptizing, was he from the Lord or was he from men? And they go, well, if we say from men, the mob will get us. And if we say from the Lord, he's going to say, then why didn't you believe him? (laughs) So they go, oh, no, 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 we're not going to answer. See, they wouldn't listen to John and they're not listening here. So don't make this any harder than it is. It's almost like, oh my God, if I ever slip up and use the word GD about Jesus, oh no, that's not it. Mm-mm. Look, at, look at what's obvious. Okay. All right, here we go. So he, he told them this because they were saying, look at that, he did his miracles by Satan's power instead of acknowledging it was the Holy Spirit's power. Now his mother, uh-oh, his mother and brothers arrived at the crowded house where he was teaching and they sent word for him to come out and talk with him. Hey, your mom and your brothers are outside and want to see you. Who's my mother and who's my brother? 
What did he do? Looking at those around him, he said, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my brother, I mean, anyone who does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. Now, we could go right into four, but we'll stop right here. And actually, in chapter four is the first time we start seeing a little piece of a message, and it ain't that long either. It's usually just, it's what he's doing. It's like this picture here. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That's history going future, going forward for us. That's he, yeah, Jesus, I need to, like you said, if any man will open that door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. That, we don't use those words. But really, all that is, let's, let's look at it. Revelation 3, 20. Yeah, Revelation 3, 20. Yeah. Extend this thing. Oops, I went wrong, wrong chapter. Back, back, back. Revelation 3, 20. Look at this. Let's, let's make sure it's for us first. Look at this. Uh, 14. Write this letter to the leader of the church in Laodicea. This message for the one who stands... Uh, oh, Okay, hang on a second. Let's see. Yeah, here we go. That's what I wanted to see. Let all who can hear... That means that's today. Hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay. Well, then here we're going to hear it. So what did he say down here in verse 20? Look... <laughs> He's kind of put some emphasis on it. I have been standing at the door, and I am, oh, God, Jesus, please. I like it better in the Old Testament. Uh, I mean, in the in the King James. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. <laughs> but behold means look. It's kind of like, how long are you going to let me ring the doorbell here? Oh, man. I have been standing at the door, and I am constantly knocking. If any man, now remember, he's talking to the church. This is you and I, Christians. If anyone hears me calling him and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. Wow. Man, I'll take that. Father, we thank you for your word today. We got to see three chapters of what you did, uh, the story of Jesus. And Father, we just thank you. If we're not feeling good today, just like we saw in those stories, praise the Lord. From Peter's mother-in-law being sick with a fever to others that were sick and the guy with a withered hand, you took care of all of them. Praise the Lord. You'll take care of us. And the same thing's true financially, hence all the fish you put in Peter's boat we already know of and all the other good things too. But Lord, if there's any other problem we're faced with, we know you're the answer. You will fix it. And so we're asking for your help. And so that doesn't leave anything left but for us to keep you at the forefront and tell others what you've done for us as we tell them about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Amen. Praise